Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of news to talk about, and then we're going to get into um, our bi-week recap, which of course normally on our first show of the week, we recap the previous weekend's game, but with the bi-week not, uh, and the Wisconsin of course not playing, we're going to go into what we hope the Badgers accomplished over this past week get ready for this Notre Dame contest. Obviously a huge game coming up this Saturday. After that, we'll get into a little bit of Notre Dame. Obviously our second show of the week is usually when we get into the fighting or the opponent, this time the fighting Irish. Um, With not as much to talk about, we'll preview them a little bit. I'll do a little bit different conversation, um, just focusing on Notre Dame as a whole. And then of course in our later show, we'll talk a little bit more on uh, what the Badgers and how that will match up. Um, with the Fighting Irish Saturday in Chicago. So it should be a fun episode for sure. Uh, plenty to get to still. Um, we've also got some recruiting stuff to talk about here at the top in, in our news section. So it should be a lot of fun. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, we're recording on Sunday morning here, so it's a little earlier than normal, but I'm doing great, ready to knock out the pod and, and talk a little Badgers after we had a, a full week of being able to talk about the Badgers, but not really having anything to look forward to. This week, we've got a huge game against Notre Dame, so I'm I'm very excited about this week of the podcast. Yeah, me too. I, I think this game is is really it really got me fired up. I, I think this is going to be an incredibly cool atmosphere. You know, we've seen uh, it was obviously of course great being back at Camp Randall. We saw that we saw the whiteout for Penn State. All these traditions uh, have been so cool, but this game has been. A long time coming, of course, last year, be that being canceled, you know, it was supposed to be in Lambeau Field. That would have been an incredible sight to see, but this will be really cool in Soldier Field, just seeing these two teams that, of course, historically don't match up all that often. So to, to see this game uh, take place with, of course, we'll talk about here in a little bit, a lot of eyes on it in terms of the college football media. So it should be a fun one. But before we get into all things Notre Dame, why don't we talk some recruiting? Because there's been some, some new offers that have went out for the Badgers, four new offers in total. Um, plenty of talent across the board. You've got Tamir Robinson out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a four-star linebacker slash safety hybrid, um, very highly recruited kid. You know, the big names, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, among others. You've got, um, you know, four-star cornerback Jace Arnold out of Marietta, Georgia. Um, once again, a, a very heavily recruited kid, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and, of course, the Badgers with that offer. Um, you've got uh, Joshua Mickens out of Indianapolis, a four-star edge out of Lawrence uh, Central. He's got a lot of the Midwest offers, Cincinnati, Indiana, Iowa, Iowa State, Michigan, among others. So plenty, and of course, we'll, there's also uh, John Clifford out of Watertown. You've got um, you, quite a few, Drew Evans out of Fort Atkinson, uh, getting that preferred walk-on offer. So it's been a busy week in the recruiting department. Um, with this bye week, which makes it sense, you know, if you don't have a game, you can get a little bit more deeper down into that recruiting circuit. But in terms of these new offers, like I said, a lot of talent, a lot of big schools, and for most of these guys, any guy really jump out or any offer re- that you really like um, that the Badgers put out there? 
Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and the first the guys who got the offers in 2023 with with um, Mickens and Arnold and and Robinson, you're looking at high level guys who are already um, have a really robust offer list that I think Wisconsin is getting in on. Those are offers you got to put out there. You got to try to work your way into those recruitments. It'll be interesting to see if Wisconsin can 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 try to get some something going with them, get them on campus this year. But I think really the big thing for me personally was the uh, two walk-on offers, um, John Clifford out of Watertown um, and, and then Drew Evans out of Fort Atkinson. I am a Fort Atkinson grad, play football at Fort Atkinson, so it's kind of cool to see um, a kid get a shot from Fort Atkinson, which um, is you know something different considering Fort Atkinson hasn't traditionally been great at football at times. Uh, especially recently. So um, when you look at this, I think that's exciting. Um, you also had across recruiting the coaches getting out to see a bunch of players. Um, I know Bobby April was down in Louisiana for one of their top 2023 20, kids. Um, you had Paul Christ out to go see um, a high school game of one of their top in-state prospects. So I think Wisconsin really hit recruiting hard this weekend, um, at least coaching staff-wise, which I think can't hurt things. Um, and it's really an opportunity to get out ahead of some some different schools who maybe have their bye weeks later on, and, and you're able to kind of build some of those relationships and hopefully get some of these guys on campus earlier. Um, so I think overall, recruiting-wise, it's all positive news, but really with some of those four stars, it's I always take a wait-and-see approach because you never know how how much to get invested there. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair, and you've looked at the walk-ons. I mean, uh, of course, we've talked about it time and time again. Those are the lifeblood of of this program that really can make a break uh, and and make a big difference, and both of those guys um, seem like guys that will be, um, if they do end up at Wisconsin, will be key guys that you can hope to develop into that future starter, future player that Wisconsin has done so well at for so long. I mean, um, these walk-ons, Traditionally, maybe aren't super highly recruited, but Wisconsin just has a way to turn them into these these really high high caliber players. The other guys, of course, like you mentioned with the four stars, I, I don't know how much to get invested with some of those players because you look at a guy like Jace Arnold out of Georgia, big SEC offers. It's going to probably take a lot to move him out of there. But I, I am interested to see how Wisconsin will compete with some of these guys, how long they'll maybe be in the running. Um, because I know, you know, Marietta, Georgia, you know, Wisconsin, traditionally Southern Florida, they do really well. Georgia, you know, that's maybe a hit or miss state for them, but it's a new place that they're trying to get to. Uh, and of course, with Tamir Robinson, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a lot of big schools in that area that, that recruit there really well. Of course, Penn State, Pitt, uh, among the others of Ohio State, and Notre Dame. So that's going to be a a place that Wisconsin has had some success, but also there's a lot of schools in that area that have had more success. So I'm just kind of interested for those guys to see, you know, do I see Wisconsin winning and and, and getting after these guys and, and getting them maybe on campus? Sure, but do I see them getting a commitment? Right now, I think we're a long way for long ways away from that, and I'm more interested to see just how long Wisconsin stays competitive, maybe stays in some of these guys' lists to, to try and make a push at some of these guys because, these are a little bit new recruiting areas that Wisconsin has, has pulled some players from in the past, but also is, is maybe trying to establish a little bit more of a foothold in some of those areas that, again, you know, these two places have a lot of talented players. 100%, and you cannot bring in a recruit from these areas if you don't offer. So I think that's a, a first and necessary step that has taken place. But, but like I said, 
these kids are 2023 20, kids. They're still a long ways before they're making any sort of decision. Um, but I, I do like that Wisconsin's throwing their hat in the ring and that they're starting their recruitment process early with them. Yeah, always good to get some recruiting stuff done. Um, and, and it seems like the Wisconsin coaching staff took full advantage of this bye week and, and getting some grassroots uh, established in that 2023 group and also with some walk-ons there. So um, moving on down with news, of course, we'll have a little bit of time in this episode. So we'll just kind of recap the, the college football weekend. Kind of a crazy weekend, although not a ton of upset. A lot of teams with scares that ended up winning. Um, of course, you had Cincinnati, got a little bit of a scare from uh, Indiana, but were able to pull it out. Um, you know, even Ohio State got a little bit of a run with Tulsa until late in the game. Auburn, Penn State, of course, a phenomenal game there. Alabama, a little bit of a test with Florida, uh, but of course hung on. Michigan State with a huge um, upset over Miami. So some big wins in terms of upsets. I know Virginia Tech went down. UCLA late last night went down to Fresno. Clemson got a little bit of a scare from Georgia Tech. So not a ton of upsets, but a lot of close, exciting games and a few teams that did end up falling. What were your kind of takeaways um, from this weekend of college football, of course, without Wisconsin in action? I think you're looking at really the top tier of teams that everybody's been talking about coming into the year, like your Oklahomas, your Clemsons, um, your Ohio State's. None of them look like unbeatable at this point. You have a, a lot more parity this year than, than what we've seen. I think part of that is the quarterback play hasn't been to the same level that we have seen before. Um, I think Alabama, Bryce Young's playing at an incredibly high level, probably your Heisman front runner right now. But then you have Spencer Rattler. He didn't look amazing against Nebraska. DJ Uyangalele, he didn't look amazing against um against Georgia Tech. So you've got a lot of guys who are coming into the year expected to be world beaters, and, and really at this point you, you you don't see that separation. So I think this is a year where you've got a lot of teams that could potentially get in the mix that didn't necessarily think they had a shot, which I, which is exciting for, for most fans across college football. But other than that, the other takeaway for me was the Big Ten um, for this weekend. You know, you, you started off with Maryland over Illinois in actually a pretty fun game. But I thought it was interesting to see Nebraska hang with Oklahoma, um, as well as Kent State hung with Iowa for far too long, if you're an Iowa fan, I would think, at Kinnick. So that was interesting, especially the way that Kent State's quarterback played. Um, one of the better quarterbacks in the MAC, but, but, but wow, that was, that was a much closer game than I imagined. Same with the Ohio State-Tulsa game. But then it was, it was good to see Purdue put up a good fight against Notre Dame. And then um, Minnesota, man, did not expect them to go ahead and take it to Colorado. I most didn't know what Colorado was going into this game just based off of the fact that their their biggest uh, you know notch in their belt was losing to Texas A&M. But, but still, for Minnesota to go there on the road and just absolutely whip them, it was uh, kind of eye-opening. And then also Michigan State, man. Kenneth Walker is playing at a really high level for them and running the ball. So I think Michigan State is, is a lot better team than we um, most gave them credit for coming into this year. Yeah, really, it was a, it was a good weekend for the Big Ten. I mean, you're picking up a, a Michigan State, not even a win, just you know, took it to them. Of course, Penn State knocking off an SEC team is always good to see. It is Auburn, and I know – Auburn on the road is a little bit different of a, of a beast than at home, but it's still a quality win for the conference that way. Michigan all of a sudden looks like a team. I know they haven't played a, a 
a ton of talented teams with Northern Illinois and, of course, Western Michigan, but still knocked off a Washington team who preseason was looking like a team that was supposed to be pretty good. We'll see where they're at, but that sets up another intriguing storyline for the Badgers moving forward. If um, you know, with I know everyone's focused on that Notre Dame game, but uh, the Badgers have, of course, Michigan at home in early October, so that should be an exciting one as well. So you've got a lot of different things uh, in terms of storylines for the Badgers kind of interconnected with this weekend as well. I, I like that you mentioned that, that Iowa game, 30-7, to 7, but it did not feel like that um, throughout the day. Uh, Kent State was just kind of hanging around. And then you've got the, the teams that were, um, of course, a tough loss. Duke um, knocking off Northwestern, that's a tough one for the conference. But overall, it was a pretty strong weekend there. An exciting weekend for college football. I like that you mentioned the the big hitters maybe aren't impressing the way that they have in past years, but that should set up for a chaotic and fun season. I think what would be really fun, we could just give the title to Alabama to say, hey, you guys won, it's fine. And then let's just have a little, like, for a regular playoff just for second place because I think that playoff (laughs) would be incredibly exciting because I think at the end of the day we're going to have a chaotic season. It's going to be a ton of fun, and then it's going to get to that four team, and it's going to be Alabama once again. But again, that's why you played the game, and you can't just focus on the four teams at the end because so far it's been a a really fun college football season. Yeah, I think this would be a really fun year to have an eight-team playoff just Mm -hmm. given some of the parity, at least so far, right? Like we're through three weeks, four weeks if you want to count week zero. But I'm glad you brought up Michigan as well. Um, I think their biggest thing is we'll see if they can throw the ball. Um, They they did most of their damage against um, really everybody this year through through the ground game. And and if you look at the statistics, they had a couple long runs from a couple of their wide receivers and A.J. Henning and Roman Wilson. But really, Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins, those are their – definitive one-two punch in the backfield, and the two of them combined for 75 carries, which yeah. is, which is, I mean, that's that's for this year, so it's through three games, but that's still quite a few carries, and that's when you will compare that to the number of times that they've thrown the ball, which is 32, you get a pretty good sense of what this team is trying to do. Um, Cade McNamara, their starting quarterback, only thrown it 26 times for 180 yards through three games. So this isn't a team who's going to gonna go ahead and try to throw the ball all over you. They're really going to try to run the ball and run the ball a ton, um, which which fits their style right now and fits kind of their personnel after losing um, their top playmaker out wide. But but still, I think that's they're pretty one-dimensional right now, um, even more so than, like, say, the Badgers. So – I'm interested to see if that um, comes up for Michigan as they start getting into some tougher opponents. And really, their toughest opponent coming up is going to be the Badgers when they when they come October 2nd because they, they have Rutgers next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. I know everyone's, you know, the the big one with, with Notre Dame is, of course, a huge one, but that Michigan one right beyond that will be a, a ton of fun as well. But while, we, while we're focused on Notre Dame, let's go ahead and talk about this. Big noon Saturday, pregame and college game. They will both be in Chicago for this Wisconsin and Notre Dame matchup. So you've got a, a twofer in terms of the media and the pregame shows. Usually you only get one. Um, I don't know the last time that both have been in a place, but it, it clearly shows that all eyes are going to be on that game, at least um, early on on Saturday. I know the the week four slate is not as huge with uh, a ton of good games. This is probably one of the headliners, but um, should be a, a really fun atmosphere down there. I know you're going down, myself as well, going down for that one, and uh, 
a really just a cool experience, soldier field, two teams that don't meet up um, all that much. So it should be a really fun to have both pregame show in the Windy City. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, you you got it. You know the pit, Fox is pissed um, <laughs> just because traditionally they get a decent amount of fans because they they flex it to be at a different location than game day. But game day is not going to worry about Fox's pregame. They're a, usually a big enough entity that it doesn't matter. But it looks like the last time they were together was in 2019 for Ohio State Penn State. So that, I think that's the only other time that it's happened and. Um, it's it's pretty indicative of how big of a game this is and how many eyeballs will be on it, which gives the Badgers a, just an absolutely huge opportunity to to springboard themselves back into um, consideration for one of the top teams in, in the Big Ten and, and across the country uh, against a really tough team. But at the same time, you are already have seen Penn State make a, a big win here as well to kind of bolster, um, you know, the, the fact that, hey, you lost, but you should have probably won that game. Um, and give yourself a shot again for a Big Ten championship still because you've got all these games at home that are going to be tough. So I think it's exciting. I think the atmosphere is going to be electric, and and I'm excited to see how many people um, are actually in the stadium there at Soldier Field. I would imagine that there's going to be a lot outside because of the the game day atmosphere, but then um, how that kind of goes in and, and what the split between the fans is between Wisconsin and Notre Dame is also going to be an interesting nuance that I that I'll be watching. Yeah, I think that will be a, a real. I mean, Soldier Field. I know in terms of venues is not you know maybe the one that jumps off the page in terms of NFL stadiums, but I think it'll still be um, you know both of these teams travel well, not too far from from both campuses where it should be a, a fun atmosphere. Hopefully, um, you know in, in terms of numbers, I know this is technically you know a Notre Dame hosted game. Um, you know, but hopefully Wisconsin's got a, a decent amount of fans there. It'll be relatively split. You know, these neutral field games—you never know what you're going to have. But um, Notre Dame, of course, will always travel well, no matter where they're at. Fans across the country, so I would imagine Chicago will be plenty of uh, fighting Irish fans. But it'll make it a really fun um, contest there. And you know, both of these places being on, um, you know, and around the stadium will only up that atmosphere. And and we'll see just how this whole thing goes. But I'm excited. You know. I woke up this morning, you know, of course, it's NFL Sunday. You're excited for that. you got the Packers Monday night, but I really am just looking forward to, to getting to Chicago and seeing this game because there's so many intriguing storylines. Two programs with a ton of history. Of course, the uh, the Jack Cone Bowl, all sorts of things to, to really make this game an interesting one. So we'll, we'll talk about all that, of course, and more um, later in the weeks. But before we do that, why don't we start in, into – our, our first episode recap, which today we'll be recapping the bye week, um, which is an important time. You know, I think earlier on um, with our podcast, we talked about we wanted the bye week maybe later, and now all of a sudden this bye week sets up, I think, really well for Wisconsin. Coming off that big win, got some confidence back. You get a week of practice here to, to get yourself right and also kind of prep. You know, I know with David Mormon, he kind of talked about it depends on the week. Um, so, what do you think was kind of the main objective during this bye week for Wisconsin heading into this Notre Dame game, but also trying to clean up some some things from the first two weeks? I think that's the biggest thing is is kind of clean up those things, like you mentioned. That, you know, you you had some some issues in the back end with communication defensively. On offense, you were struggling with some footwork between your quarterback and running game where there was, I mean, you saw multiple times so far where there's been um, handoffs that weren't perfect. 
um, trip, trip players being tripped, like things like that, which is completely continuity needs to get cleaned up. And I know that Ches Moussi, new running back, you've got a quarterback who's at, coming into this game, only started um, a handful of games. So you're looking at um, two guys who are fairly inexperienced trying to get those little details fine and tuned. Um, but then the offensive line, really just trying to get that offensive line. Maybe you come out of this bye week tightening up your rotation a little bit. I know David had talked about how difficult that can be as an offensive lineman when you kind of get into a groove and then you're taken out. I know um, as a former player that that would be something that I would have hated. Um, and I and I hope that they tighten up the rotation a little bit and, and kind of say, okay, these are our, you know, even if it's seven, right? Like if you're rotating two more guys in there because you look at, um, a, a two spots, and you're like, hey, they still give us a really good chance. But I don't think you want to do hockey line shift on your offensive line um, against Notre Dame, especially when that's a line that I think – or a defensive line in front seven of Notre Dame that I think you can move a little bit. So I think that those are the things, like trying to just get the offense to get back into a rhythm, maybe add some some wrinkles in that you haven't seen so far. I know we talked about the fact that we haven't seen as much motion – um, as, as years passed, maybe not right away in the year, but, but maybe at a grow. I think this is a time where you might see a little bit more emotion. You might see some more nuances. It was week three when the Hippo package came out, when they played Michigan. I, I could see something like that where, hey, you really trust your run game? Bring some of those. You, you love your offensive line, clearly. You, you love nine of them. So maybe try to see if you can get nine of them on the field. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what the team does and, and kind of what some of those new wrinkles are because I do think that this offense needs some of that, needs some, some juice, something to kind of get them going. Maybe a trick play. You saw a lot of trick plays from teams in that Auburn as well as uh, Penn State game, and really that, that shifted the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, it fell things apart for Auburn, and it really um, helped out Penn State. So I think those are some of the things that I would expect that they were trying to, one, fix, but also kind of build out as you looked into a bye week. You had two weeks of prep. Yeah, I think that'll be a fascinating thing to watch for. The the wrinkles, you know, maybe you've gotten through – you know, these first couple weeks, and I don't want to say vanilla because, of course, that Penn State game was a huge one to open it, but maybe you didn't install as much stuff early on, just try to get through with your basic package against those two games, and now you've got an extra week to really throw and work on some of those wrinkles. So sometimes, you know, it's not even you know, getting it in there. It's just making sure you feel comfortable enough to call it in a game. So um, I think you'll see a lot more from Wisconsin in terms of that, some creativity, on the offense side of the ball, because you mentioned it. That's definitely something they need. So far, I know you wrote up a a fascinating article on the pre-snap motions, everything like that. Wisconsin, if it's not going to be there, it needs to be some sort of, you know, not doesn't even have to be trick plays, but just a little bit more to throw this this Notre Dame defense off, have a little bit more stuff in there other than just, you know, turn and hand it off, try to get some other guys, try to attack the outside a little bit more. So I think that's going to be a fascinating part to watch for. And I would expect Wisconsin to come out with some, some new stuff and some new wrinkles to help them offensively. But you mentioned it. The other thing, as we kind of transition to this being what the offense is maybe focused on, I think the big thing, of course, getting Mertz reps, getting Ches Malusi reps, getting those guys comfortable. But I think the thing that we'll be honed in on and focused on is the offensive line, whether it's going to be, you know, the hockey shift rotation. I can't imagine it's still going to be that. I would think with an extra week, you're hopefully settled down to, like you mentioned, seven 
guys that, you know, you feel good about. You know, this is the maybe the five we want to start with. But, hey, if things aren't working against this Notre Dame front, these two guys, maybe we can get it in there to, to see if it does. But I would think you'd want some sort of settlement. I mean, I know I know Drew Rudolph likes to move it around, and he's been able to do that through his first two weeks, and hopefully this bye week in practice, he's got a good look at who he wants to go with. But I would have to imagine just for this Notre Dame game, you want to have those numbers at least tightened up a little bit. And I can't imagine it's going to be the same five the entire game because it's it's rarely that. I think sometimes people forget how much this Wisconsin offensive line rotates at least you know one or two guys. Usually there's at least one guy coming in, even just to give a guy a blow. So I don't think it'll be a full set five, but I would really like to see you know this whole week you know trying to get those main guys some reps to really be ready for this contest on Saturday. Yeah, and and then I think the other big thing that if you know sticking on the offense here is is Graham Mertz and. You want to see him come into that game, start with maybe some easy throws, and, and really use this extra couple weeks of prep to continue to work on his footwork and just to play confidently. I think that's one of the biggest things. I thought he actually threw the ball fairly well against Eastern Michigan, but there's still some communication breakdowns. Um, and it's not really communication as much as it just, you know, looking at your reads. You saw that Jack Dunn seam route that Dunn went outside, Mertz threw it inside on, on when they did four verts. And you would think in that play, usually you'd go inside if you're a slot guy. So I would I would I would tend to believe that that was on Dunn. Um, but at the same time, I do think that it's telling that they weren't seeing the same thing. And there's other instances of that that result in um, you'll you'll see. Mertz throw it down low, and then the defender's got to dive down to catch it instead of maybe he was expecting them to sit down in the zone, and they kept carrying it out. So, like, there's little things like that that I think this offense, especially in the passing game, need to also kind of fine-tune and just really get on the same page because when you get into these games, you're going to be going up against a totally different secondary that has shown that, hey, they can, they've had quite a few busted secondary plays this year other than Kyle Hamilton, who's an absolute stud that this defensive secondary can be picked apart. We saw that against Florida State as well as Toledo. So I'm fascinated to see if can this passing game get on the same page and maybe make a splash play. We just haven't really seen a play that went for any chunk yardage from this passing game. And and I'm excited. I think that they'll be in a better spot for that. But at the same time, right now, the season long for a pass play is 23 yards. And that's just not going to do it if you want to beat a team like Notre Dame, who who is going to try to move the ball through the air against you on the other end. Yeah, I think that part is going to be um, you know, very much important. You get, Of course, keeping the confidence, but also hitting some big plays. I like that you mentioned that this Notre Dame secondary has been able to be beat up a little bit. So Wisconsin, with that extra time, should be able to um, try and dig on, see if they can find um, some pieces that will work to hopefully hit some of those big plays as well. Um, we've talked a lot about with the offense in terms of what they're going to be focused on, and rightfully so. That's been the unit that, you know, the the second game against Eastern Michigan was a lot better, but that first game was a lot to clean up. But defensively, things have been really good. Maybe a little bit of focus. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about communication. This will, of course, be back to a very ruckus atmosphere and, and not going to be as home-friendly as, as Camp Randall was in, in that opener. And even then, you know, the defense was struggling to get calls um, and communicate with each other. So it's going to be an even bigger test this week uh, you know, at what we'll call a neutral field, but probably 
a little bit more heavy in terms of Notre Dame fan base. So it should be a, a fun um, test for them that way, but probably something they're going to be focused on. What do you think the, the defensive focus has been uh, as they get ready for this contest? I think for me, when you look at it, I trust this defense you know, fully at this point. I think the biggest thing is to get back healthy. You, you were without Colin Wilder. You were without Fayon Hicks, both of which I think are expected to be back. They were both on the sidelines for that Eastern Michigan game. So it wouldn't have been a COVID-related thing, right? Like this is an actual injury. It was probably precautionary. You didn't really need them against Eastern Michigan. So hopefully those two are back healthy. Then you've got Leo Chennault, who was COVID-related, was out for those first two games, must have gotten back into practice, I would think, right after that Eastern Michigan game about midweek. So you've got about a week and a half to get him prepped for Notre Dame. I would imagine that he's going to be out there. Like, I don't think that Mike Mascalunas gives you a better chance to win the game. I think Leo Chennault is probably their third best player on that entire defense. Um, and so he's going to be a nice lift. But – but I think getting those three back, getting those three healthy, getting them in a spot where they are you know, can get some of that rust off and be prepared to play, I think that's what I'm going to be looking for and what I think that that's what this defense needs. Because beyond that, the front six or seven guys, I think can really do some wonders against Notre Dame. I'm interested still in the secondary. I think there's some, some holes there that they, they're still trying to – um, maneuver around in some some players who are still trying to gain some experience in their secondary. But right now, if they can get those three guys back, I think that would be phenomenal, uh, a huge help, I should just say, um, for this defense. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of, I kind of forgot that those two, of course, were were not not out there. And of course, Leo Chanel has not been out there yet this year. But that'll be hopefully, you know, a guy that we've talked about all off season really as being a guy that's going to make more big splash plays. I would have to imagine, yeah, maybe a little rusty early, but uh, a kid like him, uh, I think he, he just goes out and plays football, and then hopefully that rust will, will knock off fast and he can be a guy that, that really disrupts this game because we'll talk about it here in a little bit. That Notre Dame offensive line, uh, right now, at least from what I've seen those first three games, this Wisconsin defense really has the chance to, to pick them apart, and, and I'm interested to see just how well uh, Wisconsin does against that front because they're having all sorts of issues there for Notre Dame. But, um, yeah, I think that's a great point as well. You know, you – you like what this defense has had already. You trust them. I think an extra week of prep, you only have to feel you know even better about um, for this game as you move forward here with this Wisconsin defense. Where you know as long as those guys are out there, if you're going in there with your 11 that you wanted to start the year, and and you feel good about it. I think Wisconsin's in a really good spot. So um, and I think going with that, that extra week of prep will hopefully only let these guys you know hit the ground running. Um, for this game on Saturday. So I think that's a huge boost. I know Notre Dame, in terms of opponents, a, a ton of their opponents upcoming are all coming off bye week. So I think that will really help the Badgers here um, as they move forward. But, yeah, defensively, I think there's not really a lot you can, can hone in on. I think it's just the communication and, like you mentioned, getting those guys ready to go because they're going to be key pieces, especially the guys in the secondary, to probably make or break this contest because so far yeah, there's no reason to doubt this front uh, based on what we've seen um, up until this point. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, why don't we – I know, of course, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Notre Dame later in the week and, and how Wisconsin kind of matches up, what the Badgers will look to do against them, but we'll spend a little bit more time on, of course, a huge contest, so we'll we'll get a little bit into the Irish and what we've seen from them thus far. Um, kind of an opportunity to look ahead. So let's start offensively. Of course, Jack Cohn. 
Kyron Williams, some some quality tight ends, and some quality receivers, but things have really not looked all that great, and, and that's mostly because, like I mentioned, the offensive line has, has really had some issues. Um, normally Notre Dame, a team that really runs the ball well, right now they're 111th in rushing offense, just not been able to get a guy, you know, one of the top backs coming into the year, Kyron Williams, going. Um, and then sacks allowed. This offensive line has been um, just a, re- a re- open door um, in terms of getting to the quarterback right now, allowing five, five sacks per game, um, 126th in the nation in sacks allowed. So I think right there, there's your, your thing that you're going to be really watching for is how Wisconsin goes against this offensive line. But offensively, just not a traditional Notre Dame team so far. So what have you seen from them? Because, of course, they've played three really – um, you know, highly watched games with that opener on standalone against Florida State. That Toledo game, if you uh, have the Peacock app, was a fun one to watch. And then Purdue last yesterday, score didn't really indicate how tight that game felt throughout, which of course ended up being a 14-point uh, finish. So what have you seen from the Irish offense so far this year? Yeah, I think I think you look at it, and the story has to be that offensive line, and, and that's something that Notre Dame has prided themselves on. If you've ever gone to a Notre Dame message board, um, they they believe that they have one of the best offensive lines of all time, usually year in and year out in the tradition there. But they've given up 14 sacks this year in three games, and that is, you know, like you said, almost dead last in the entire FBS. And you you look at it, they've got one of the best running backs in the country, and they haven't been able to move it. So I think Wisconsin's front seven is going to be in a really good spot here, going up against a, a Notre Dame line that's really trying to figure out their identity, trying to figure out the five guys that work for them. Um, you know, Jack Jack Cohn um, is a quarterback who we've seen can be mobile if he has to be, but that's not necessarily his game, right? Like he, we're not expecting him to all of a sudden. Um, become somebody who's going to be running all over the Badgers. So I think you can really kind of pin your ears back and get after him. And, and you look at the, the front seven, Wisconsin's been really good against the run, one of the better teams in the entire country against the run. And that's what Notre Dame kind of has relied upon. I, th- I think it's really going to just come down to the secondary in this game um, for Wisconsin's defense if, if they can stop kind of some of the playmakers, because Notre Dame does have some – some solid playmakers outside, and they've been able to get big plays um, from those playmakers. Kyron Williams, for example, had that that uh, that passing play that he took it for like 40 yards and a touchdown. So there's been big plays that they've gotten, and it, but it's not been because of the offensive line. It's been in, in spite of the offensive line. So I think that's a huge advantage for the, the Badgers going into this weekend, and I don't think that was something that neither of us and, and most people expected coming into this year because it's not like – um, Florida State, Toledo, Purdue have like one of the better front sevens in this country, right? Like, I don't think anybody's going to go out and say that. Um, I mean, Florida State lost to Jacksonville State for for God's sakes. So this is a team that I think is, is still trying to figure some things out on the offensive end, which should help the Badgers defensively. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that's going to be just a, a really fascinating matchup because I thought, you know, coming into this game, you know, we were talking about a preseason. It seems like it seems like a game that Wisconsin that would be maybe your concern was that this Notre Dame offense could just come out and and really you know similar to what Wisconsin does just pound it pound the rock and and pick up you know huge chunks on the ground and then open it up with the play action and so far it's kind of been the complete opposite where they've they've really struggled to to run the football it was a little better against Purdue but again like you said 
You know, Carl Lotz is, of, is of course, there. But other than that, that Purdue front really doesn't scare you all that much. Wisconsin's front, you're not going to have that same um, advantage where you can maybe you know, just, just try to run away from one guy or, or you know run plays that will hopefully take them out of it. Wisconsin's, I think, got enough front seven talent to to really give them fits, and that will be the, the thing to watch for because so far it's been just trying to survive on some, some explosive plays. And I personally, I like Jack Cohn, but I don't know if that's a recipe that you want to have for your entire season to just have to rely on you know some big plays from him pushing it down the field and not having that run the game to go along with it. So I think that should be a fascinating one on the offensive side for, or for Notre Dame going against that Wisconsin defense. Um, on the other side of the ball, defensively, Notre Dame, I think still trying to work out the kinks of a, a new defense. Of course, Clark Lee, their former defensive coordinator, goes to take the job at Vanderbilt. Marcus Freeman comes in from Cincinnati, who had a really strong career there, and um, takes over and moves Notre Dame to a little bit different of a defense. Um, and I think so far, I, I think that side of the ball has looked a lot better for them, but still been some some growing pains as they move into into that um, into that new system. So, what have you seen from the Notre Dame defense? That, of course, um, you mentioned a little bit of a struggle against both. Toledo and Florida State, so there's been some um, some places in the armor that you can attack them. Yeah, I think they looked a lot better against Purdue. Um, you also have to take that into account that Purdue was without their running starting running back, mm-hmm. and that's an area that Notre Dame has struggled was against the run. But they've also had times where they struggled against the pass. Um, I, I mean, you look at it. Florida State put up 38 on them. Toledo put up 29, and I think that's the the more important thing because um, you look at just yesterday, Colorado State beat Toledo. And Colorado State had looked real bad. You know, um, John Budmeyer is their new offensive coordinator, um, and I hope the best for him. But his offense has not been great this year um, up until that Toledo game, and they've won 22-6 to over Toledo, a, a bad Toledo team right now. So I think that this is something to where you're looking at that I think Notre Dame definitely still trying to figure things out. Defensively, I, I think there's a lot of question marks right now. They they lost a lot in their linebackers, um, both from guys graduating, right? Like you you saw guys getting drafted in the first round from this team a year ago. But then they also lost some guys to injury. You've got freshmen out there playing at linebacker for Notre Dame. So I think that defensively, that's the thing I'm looking at is they've got a lot of a new scheme and a lot of new faces there. Can Wisconsin move the ball against them? We saw them move the ball against Eastern Michigan. We saw them move the ball between the 20s against Penn State, but they've got to be able to consistently move the ball against this Notre Dame team because Notre Dame has shown that you can move the ball on them. I think Wisconsin, um, you know, you, we can talk about the, the lack of finishing drives, but they're still a better offense than what Purdue is, I believe. Um, and so I think that this is still – I think the Wisconsin offense versus Notre Dame defense is a much more even matchup than, than – um, we kind of might have thought coming into this year. I thought that Notre Dame's defense would maybe have the advantage, but I think that there's a pretty even playing field where there's a lot to clean up for both teams here, and I think that that gives Wisconsin a fighting chance because they've shown the ability to run the ball well, and if you can do one thing and do that well, maybe that you can just kind of ground and pound on Notre Dame and, and do the little things to get a W. Yeah, I think that will be a, a fascinating thing to watch for because um, there's there, there's just been moments with this group that you think you can um, you know certainly take advantage of, but it's going to take Wisconsin's offense hitting on some of those plays 
to do so. I think I totally agree with you. You know, Purdue's offense right now is is I, I still think Wisconsin has a better group, but it's just we have to go out there and we have to see it. I think this extra week of prep will certainly help them. But I think so far in this conversation, it, it, to me, it feels like at least early on, it sounds like we both feel really good about Wisconsin's going to be be able to do and and go out there and and try and and pick apart at this Notre Dame team, but still going to be a very tough contest in Notre Dame. I will say throughout the last, you know, did not look great against Florida State, did not look good against Toledo, looked a little bit better against Purdue, so maybe they're building towards it a little bit, but I still think Wisconsin comes in with the, with that advantage there. Um, and the spread would indicate that I just got an opening line um, notice of Wisconsin actually has a slight favorite right now at about one and a half points. So um, in, in Wisconsin earlier this year when the, um, when the spread first came out, some of these look-ahead lines during the summer was about a three-point favorite, so still an, an advantage for Wisconsin here as you move forward. But what's maybe one matchup to flip it that you're at least a little bit worried about right now in terms of Wisconsin uh, going against this Notre Dame team? Um, for me, it would be the ability for um, Michael Mayer to beat Wisconsin's safeties. Um, mm-hmm. If we're looking on, and I'm just talking offense here, Notre Dame's offense against Wisconsin's defense, that would be the matchup because I think he's a big body guy. You look at Colin Wilder, not the biggest guy. Um, Scott Nelson's a little bit taller, which I'm, I'm guessing they'll probably shade him there frequently, but but he's still a matchup problem. I mean, that's a that's a dude. He's going to be an NFL tight end um, in the next couple of years. So I think that's that's a matchup for me to, to watch out for, as well as Kyron Williams and special teams. They use him all over because they're seeing, hey, we can't necessarily get him going on the ground as much, but we're going to try to get the ball in his hands any way we can. So I think those two players on offense, if Wisconsin can, can try to keep um, him contained in special teams and in – from breaking out when Jack Cohn just hits him on a little dump off, and then Mayer over the middle through the top um, running down Wisconsin's defense. I think those are the main two things for me. I'm not as much worried about Wisconsin's offense right now, which I know sounds crazy, um, but I, I think Wisconsin will be able to run the ball on Notre Dame. I really do. Yeah, I like that you mentioned, um, you know, of course, Mayer is the guy that I think everybody should have circled. If you don't know him, a very high-quality tight end that can – can really wreck a game plan with, you know, just these, these short conversions that, um, you know, and he can also stretch the field, similar to Jake Ferguson, where you can hit him um, in the down, but he can also get in space and, and do some damage that way. So um, certainly a, a player to watch for. But I love that you mentioned special teams. I think for Wisconsin fans, they've been hurt by that, that phase of the game before. And on these big contests and these big games, that's the place that I'm – at least a little bit worried about right now. And it's maybe it's just shell shock from these incidents before, but in a game that I still expect will be tight, that is a place where, you know, punting to Kyron Williams or just, you know, mis- mental mistakes that Wisconsin has fell victim to before, that is a little bit where I'm concerned because, yeah, maybe Wisconsin has advantages defensively going against their offensive line. And, and I agree with you. I think right now I'm not super worried about this Wisconsin offense the way that, um, you know, I don't think it's going to come out and be like it was against Penn State, but I think special teams can be a game that, that – or a phase that really flips the game. And at least right now from Wisconsin, we've only seen that affect them negatively in, in the past couple of years. So I think that's a part where I'm at least a little bit worried about can you – does Notre Dame find a way, an opportunity to stay in the game because of a mental mistake in that phase of the football game? 
Yeah, I, I think special teams are – when you look at games where you you have a spread of one, right, like like this, where it's basically saying, hey, this is a toss-up, um, special teams can be so important. It, it's funny because Larsh has probably um, been the more consistent kicker to this point, which is, you know, fascinating. Um, and I don't think that's anything that fans would have expected coming into the game. But but I, I like you mentioned, Kyron Williams back there is, is – I mean, he can do some all-purpose stuff, and he is electric with the ball in his hands. So him as a returner, I think, is one to, to watch out for. And then punting. Wisconsin, you saw just how much Penn State was able to dictate that game using their punter. And they did it against Auburn as well last night. Um, I don't think Notre Dame has nearly as good of a punter. He's averaging about 42.5 right now. But Andy Vujinovic, I'm, I'm hoping that he can have a big game in this um, as well to really flip field position because I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game um, than we would you'd normally hope for in a college football game. But I do think that special teams, like you said, are going to play a huge role. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up at least our a little bit of a look ahead to um, this, of course, huge Notre Dame contest. Hope you guys enjoyed getting a slight preview early in the week. And, of course, we'll be back later in the week to get into all things with this matchup. We'll talk, of course, from a Irish correspondent um, from our at Notre Dame sister site as well. So it should be a, a normal and fun to get back into the routine for a huge contest against the Fighting Irish in Chicago on Saturday morning with that uh, early kick. All right, guys, as always, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. <laughs> Thank you.